0: And that's where the renewable energy is now winning the economic argument as well. It's not only the carbonization or the decarbonization argument, but it's also about uh, getting cheaper electricity dispatched through the load dispatch centers.
1: Hello and welcome to the season two of Understanding the Future. I am your host Puneet Gandhi and Climate Center for Cities is excited to bring to you a podcast about the future of work in the field of climate change, urban development, sustainability and innovation. We will talk to experts working on ground as well as in the top management of government and non-governmental organizations to better understand how the field looks like in future. This will help us in preparing to enable climate actions, as well as gauge the type of skill sets and jobs that would be required in future to solve complex challenges. If you are listening to it for the first time, do tune into Season 1. Hello and welcome to Season 2 of Understanding the Future. I'm your host, Punit Gandhi, and today we have with us Dr. Mahesh Patankar. He is managing director at MP In Systems Advisory Private Limited. And he will help us better understand electricity markets. Welcome to the show, Dr. Mahesh. Thanks a lot, uh, Punit. Uh, glad to be here. Thank you, sir. Uh, so Before we start, I I want to get down to the basics. So when we are talking about electricity markets, we are talking about production, uh, which is general power plants, uh, both coal, solar, everything. Consumption, which is you and I consuming electricity to do this Zoom call, as well as all industrial applications. And then there is a big market in between, which is of transmission. So while we focus today on transmission, can you help us first understand in brief, what is, elect- uh, what is the kind of electricity transmission do we have in India? What is the governing structure and how does it function for our audience so that they can uh, understand the topic further in depth?
0: Sure. The Indian electricity market, as you rightly mentioned, uh, we have three specific silos, which is generation, uh, which have, which conventionally has been large power plants, which are coal-based and thermal power-based. But with the advent of renewable energy, now we have started seeing uh, several smaller plants and consumers also acting as prosumers. So that's the generation side of things. Then there is transmission, as you rightly mentioned. So the transmission is split between two aspects. One is the interstate Uh, transfer of electrons from uh, one power plant, which may be existing in southern part of the country to uh, a load center, which may be in the north side of the country. Uh, So that's the interstate transmission system that uh, we are referring to. And then there is intrastate transmission system, wherein you have one particular uh, state in which you have the power plant and you also have the load center associated uh, well, in that particular state itself. So that is something which is governed as uh, uh, intra-state transmission system. And then uh, we have something called as distribution companies or the distribution sector, uh, which is again uh, through a licensing uh, mechanism. Uh, and these licenses are issued by uh, the state electricity regulatory commissions, uh, which allows certain licensors uh, to Distribute electricity to all the consumers like you and me. So that is how the electricity market is structured, and there are policy and the regulatory jurisdictions related to all of this. So uh, when Electricity Act of 2003 was enacted, uh, the generation uh, side of things uh, were de-licensed, meaning anyone could uh, meet all the environmental norms set forth by the central government or the state governments, and they could set up a generation plant, they would not need a specific license to generate electricity. And they can sign their own contracts with individual load centers, such as the distribution companies uh, and um, uh, be in business. But when it comes to the distribution companies, law requires uh, the state electricity regulatory commissions uh, to provide license and give licenses to distribution companies to be in that business. Uh, and the other aspect of the jurisdictional issue related to the policy is that everything that goes from one state to the other or crosses the state boundary is covered uh, under the jurisdiction of Central Electricity Regulatory Commission. Uh, and uh, anything uh, that pertains to intra-state transfer of electrons uh, is covered uh, by the State Electricity Regulatory Commission.
1: Okay. So we have in three-layered structure, where there's a center, there is a state, which is again governed by regional uh, load dispatch centers, and then there is a local, uh, which is DISCOMS. Now, this was quite sorted before, and with uh, more renewable energy coming into the picture, this kind of changed a bit, especially with net metering policies coming into picture, gross metering policies coming in, because now everyone has uh, their own power plants in their own places. So how has this affected the traditional electricity markets and has our industry been able to cope up with that kind of changes?
0: Yeah. So uh, we are seeing substantial changes, but I would say the pace at which we are seeing the changes in the electricity markets per se uh, is not uh, as dramatic as one would imagine. So to give you a little bit of perspective, I mentioned about the generation companies that would generate electricity and supply to the load centers through the distribution companies. So they would sign something called as power procurement agreement, or in short, we can call it as PPA. Uh, And uh, the PPA structure basically provided the generation companies and their bankers comfort related to off-take of electrons, uh, which is uh, important for them to put their weight behind and finance that particular uh, project. So in India, most of the electricity that we see flowing goes through this long-term PPAs, which range between to, anywhere between 15 to 25 years uh, of tenure of those contracts. And most of the electricity goes through uh, the mechanisms in those power procurement agreements. Uh, and these power procurement agreements are typically signed with uh, three types of uh, generators. Uh, one is the central generating stations, uh, typically owned by something like National Thermal Power Corporation, NDPC. Uh, Then there are uh, state level uh, generation companies, uh, which are subsidiaries and uh, that are owned by the individual state governments, such as in case of Maharashtra, there is Maharashtra generation company or Mahajenco, which is a state subsidiary. So they would have uh, uh, some signed contracts with the sibling electricity distribution company uh, in the same state. At the same time, they will pro- probably also have some kind of power procurement agreement with uh, other state utilities or the discoms. Uh, that is how most of the power plants sort of operate. And there are of course merchant power plants, which are private sector investments in ultra mega power plants and uh, all the uh, 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 independent power uh, producers or IPPs as we call those. Uh, yep. that exists in mm-hmm. India. Um, as far as the uh, uh, smaller units, units are concerned, uh, you are absolutely right uh, when it comes to the renewable energy, mm-hmm. uh, specifically on rooftops of different kinds of buildings, industrial premises and so on. Uh, there are certain laws uh, such as cross metering and net metering of solar or uh, uh, photovoltaic systems that get connected to Uh, the grid and there is some kind of a sell and uh, purchase uh, agreement signed between some of these larger uh, rooftop uh, uh, photovoltaic systems uh, and the electricity grid, uh, in this case the power distribution companies. Now your question was, uh, do we see the industry coping up with this? Absolutely yes. Uh, The industry has been pretty reactive and they have uh, come to terms of this changing market structure in the electricity sector Uh, and uh, they are coping up very well. You also correctly mentioned about the load dispatch centers and I would like to spend just a couple of minutes on describing how the load dispatch happens. So at the national level, the national grid uh, which takes uh, electrons from one state to the other state and one region to the other region uh, is governed by Power Grid Corporation of India and uh, Uh, power systems operating company PosoCo which is a part of the Power Grid Corporation of India they are responsible to uh, maintain the grid frequency at the national level so that's their jurisdiction Uh, and what they do is uh, they uh, collaborate with uh, the regional load dispatch centers and the state load dispatch centers so for example in the uh, southern region southern region load dispatch center uh, is uh, located in karnataka and there is also a karnataka load dispatch center which is located in karnataka so uh, the responsibility of this regional load dispatch center is to allow for any kind of collaboration that may be required between the national level grid management and the local level grid management but when it comes to a state-specific load dispatch activity that is typically carried out by uh, the state-specific load dispatch centers And almost all the states in the country uh, have their own dedicated load dispatch centers.
1: Okay. So that's, yeah, that's quite important. And because of this now, uh, there is quite a lot of digitization as well, if I'm not wrong, right, in the whole ecosystem that we can, at the present moment itself, look at how much electricity is being generated and being consumed on the national level. Am I correct uh, or am I... Wrong
0: over here. No, you are you are absolutely right. Uh, There is a lot of digitization that uh, we have seen, especially during the last two decades, Uh, and um, we also need to take on board uh, at what voltage levels the digitization is hundred percent, and what travels a load dispatch center. So, when it comes to larger plants, say six sixty megawatt plant or five hundred megawatt plant uh, of Mm. uh, NTPC or any IPP or a plant from Tata Power and so on. The load dispatch centers have complete visibility to those plants. But when it comes to smaller units that are uh, put up on the rooftops of different industrial premises or housing societies and so on, uh, the load dispatch centers do not have any kind of visibility to those. So one can safely assume that anything that is above, say, 25 uh, megawatt of generation capacity. Typically, the yep. load dispatch centers would have some visibility to uh, the way in which the power gets generated. But if it comes yep. to a very dispersed or uh, disaggregated power generation activity such as uh, from the solar rooftops, uh, it becomes very difficult uh, for the load dispatch centers to get that visibility. And it matters a lot to them because uh, uh, if you look at the renewable energy where you have uh, uh, solar as well as say wind uh, if there is a sudden dip in the wind direction or wind velocity there is going to be a dip in the power generation from those wind farms. and if there is a a specific uh, cloud cover coming in a particular micro uh, climate and the microclimatic zone uh, in in any city uh, then you're going to again have lesser production of electrons uh, from the solar photovoltaic and the rooftop systems some of this I would say variables trouble the load dispatch centers a lot because that impacts how much electricity is being pumped into the grid and uh, if there is any kind of sudden dip in the way the electricity is pumped into the grid. So that is why the digitization at the dispersed renewable energy generation, at the same time, visual uh, digitization for the load centers, even a small and enterprise or a small precinct where you have, Um, several small commercial shops is absolutely important and actually India is going towards that. So there are specific initiatives related to smart meters where the smart meters can be installed at all of these uh, units. What is important is for some kind of an aggregator to get all of that information at one place and then get uh, that uh, uh, and get uh, uh, all of that information uh, as a part of the power procurement Uh, and the power uh, management
1: sort of activity. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I do want to come back to the energy forecasting that we have touched upon. But before that, I would also like to understand, like, when we look at India's consumption scenario, capacity scenario, we have sufficient amount of uh, power plants, especially there is more than 230 gigawatts of coal power plants. We have 90 gigawatts of renewable energy, 40, more than 40 gigawatts of hydro sure. energy. But our PLF for thermal power plants is quite low. And what is the major reason for that? And how does it affect our grid infrastructure?
0: PLFs have been low for several plants uh, also because of certain rules in the electricity market, uh, which require something something called as merit order dispatch to be followed by the load dispatch center operators. So which means if you have a stack of different power generation units and if you stack the variable cost of that generation uh, and let's assume one plant has a variable cost of power generation as two rupees per kilowatt hour compared to something which is uh, eight rupees per kilowatt hour. The load dispatch activity is set up in such a way that uh, the plants which are with low variable cost are something which need to be dispatched more than the others firstly and secondly all the renewable energy uh, that gets generated uh, is classified as something called as must run which means if any kind of renewable energy is generating electrons that needs to get dispatched no matter what and they have that priority, okay? So that is the way in which uh, it sort of impacts the uh, plant load factor of uh, plants which have higher generation cost or higher variable cost. And I also need to sort of put something in more uh, perspective here, uh, which is about, I mentioned something called as spot procurement agreements, which are signed yeah. by generation companies uh, with their and, uh, the discoms. And the spot procurement agreements uh, have typically two components. One is a fixed cost component and the other one is the variable cost. So even if the plant uh, is dispatching uh, electrons or not, the distribution companies are obliged to pay for the fixed cost, okay? okay. So from the perspective of, uh, uh, power generation um, and the power dispatch uh, and the economics of all of that the distribution companies end up paying the fixed cost but they can save on the variable cost if they uh, make sure that they give priority to the lower variable cost as to get dispatched very soon okay And yeah. these are some of the, some of the changes which the central electricity regulatory commission uh, brought about when they launched something called as real-time market and their proposed uh, uh, launch of the next level of electricity markets, which is called as uh, 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 market-based economy dispatch. And that will also lead to something called ancillary services uh, to be uh, valued and dispatched in different manner quickly. So I just wanted to sort of give you the perspective of the relationship between the variable cost uh, and the plant load factor yeah. Uh, that you you mentioned uh, in your question,
1: Kunit? Thank you. And uh, to just a bit of a forward on that line. Absolutely, that's right. That we have to give priority based on this. But is it possible then that uh, because we have we can utilize more power plants, and if there is, uh, how can we? Come over with this challenge so that we, everyone can like. Uh, almost now we have ninety-nine point nine percent electricity infrastructure in place, you know, as per the government data. So, can we then make it more available for everyone in the society, like industries, agriculture, domestic markets, uh, something on twenty-four-seven lines?
0: Yeah, I think uh, you are absolutely right. The the transmission and distribution infrastructure is very high and the number that you mentioned which is 99.99% is not unimaginable now the, all of that infrastructure allows the distribution companies to distribute electricity to all the consumers uh, under something called as universal service obligations so there is an obligation on the person or the discom which is getting the license to distribute electricity So uh, this universal service obligation requires them to supply electricity whenever the consumer wants. So, and that is basically going towards 24 by seven. There are certain constraints related to the transmission system where uh, you may see certain rise in the requirement of the electricity, and you may see certain dip in the the requirement of the electricity. And that's where the load dispatch centers and the load centers uh, need to work together to make sure that there is no undue pressure built on the transmission lines uh, and the transmission lines are always available for a dispatch of electrons and that's where some innovations are required uh, related to how do we bring the generation and the load centers together uh, to uh, use the maximum amount of electricity. I also must mention that uh, you referred to several plants uh, and the plant food factors and so on. And I also uh, touched upon something called as merit order dispatch, which means the lower cost electricity should get dispatched sooner before the high cost electricity that should get dispatched. And that's where the renewable energy is now winning the economic argument as well. It's not only the carbonization or the decarbonization argument, but it's also about uh, getting cheaper electricity dispatched through the load dispatch centers uh, and bringing that electricity to the consumers because if you uh, really notice what's happening as far as the market uh, based uh, disclosure and, uh, and the bidding that happened in the solar and the wind sector in the recent yeah. past you would notice nothing uh, less than say uh, nothing more than say two and a half rupees as an average cost of electricity uh, from the solar sources, which means renewable is now becoming cheaper. And if the renewable is becoming cheaper, I think it's important uh, to dispatch renewables a lot more. There is a strong economic uh, argument complementing a much stronger decarbonization requirement of the Indian economy.
1: Absolutely. I I agree with you over there. And I I think Uh, That's quite important as well when we look at it from a bigger perspective of decarbonization. So coming next to the part of something called as something where we bring in uh, Indian Energy Exchange or Power Grid Exchange, India Limited, Power Exchange, India Limited. Now, these are real-time markets of grid infrastructure, right? And how are they performing as of now, Uh, especially with... Uh, so much of information in hand does it make a better infrastructure for the whole of organization because i'm assuming they still have somewhere close to five gigawatt of load on them and not more than that or the 370 yeah. gigawatt that is the total so
0: uh basically we have to see what is the total load required in the country so yeah uh, i think last week or last to last week uh, india hit the highest electricity demand of something like 187 gigawatt, And this yep. is uh, even comparing to the pre-COVID air um, life remember correctly. So uh, all the electricity that goes through the India Energy Exchange and the power exchange of India Limited are the two exchanges that have licenses from the regulator to uh, trade in electricity. Uh, the total volume of that goes through these exchanges is no more than uh, 3%. But one should be sort of mindful that it started with less than 1% and now you already are at 3% probably going yep. just a little bit above 3%. But the absolute million units or million kilowatt hours that get transferred through the India Energy Exchange and the power exchange uh, of India Limited uh, has increased because the load has increased. So this, even if the 3% remains the same, the 3% of 100 gigawatt before and 3% of 187 gigawatt now, uh, that has gotcha. actually changed the paradigm. So i just, I was sort of taking that forward and then I was uh, trying to describe a new market-based instrument which is launched by CERC and the Ministry of Power uh, called as okay. real-time market, wherein uh, the IEX and PXIL uh, are now trading um, additional electricity uh, that is remaining on the table after the load dispatch centers schedule their generation and if the generation plants has unrequisitioned surplus, uh, they can trade it in that real-time market. And that typically happens between minus two hours and zero hours, uh, and zero hours being when the actual dispatch happens. And that market is also now sort of coming up and that is actually providing very interesting benefits to the distribution companies, as well as large industries that are on the open access who are buying electricity directly from the uh, grid, uh, because now they have an access to very low cost uh, electricity, somewhere between say two to 3.5 rupees a kilowatt hour. So uh, some of these reforms are sort of helping uh, electricity markets uh, to reduce the cost entire sort of system.
1: Absolutely. This market sounds very interesting, especially in the terms that, uh, so I have come from the background where uh, I understand the point of renewable energy forecasting for the grids, because they are very important uh, when you're looking at such a big ecosystem. Now, a service like that, in addition to the service somewhere which is forecasting the demand of electricity as well, can help this markets a lot. And I guess, though, they were not too prevalent in India. Now, this kind of technology would come up much more than before. Absolutely. Uh,
0: So, yeah, I agree with you uh, 100%. Because in the past, what we would see is there would be different cities and the industrial uh, requirement and the agriculture requirement. So let's call that as load. And then uh, in order to meet that load, you would fire up certain generation stations and so on. Okay, so the generation was trying to meet the load. But now we are reaching a situation where uh, the load can start meeting the available generation. And yeah. that I'm making this sort of statement because now you, are, you have started seeing a lot of renewable energy coming into the grid, uh, which means uh, there is a great opportunity for the generation which is low cost to be absorbed in the load centers. Okay. And uh, one should sort of take complete advantage of low cost electrons that are available. And there are several ways to sort of do that. And in fact, I would like to spend a little bit time on that. Uh, I would like to sort of propose a few things that are possible for the Indian electricity market. One is grid interactive uh, buildings. So you can have different types of grid interactive buildings, which uh, which can take advantage of low cost electricity that's available in the marketplace. And then they can start using certain measures such as thermal energy storage or battery energy storage. So they can buy when the electrons are available for cheap and uh, they can use it when they actually require it. Uh, So grid interactive buildings is sort of one aspect of that. Then there is another aspect which is in all the industrial sector. Let's take, for example, uh, uh arc furnaces uh, and the foundry industry. So now yep. the industry needs to start sort of moving towards the electric arc arc furnaces and they can take advantage of low cost electricity that's available for them to use in the industrial production processes. Uh, yep. The third example yep. that comes to my mind is that of electricity, uh, electric vehicles. So yep. you have a lot of electric vehicles coming into the marketplace. So these EVs can start charging whenever you have Cheaper and abundant uh, electricity available specifically from the renewable energy sources so yeah. that's another uh, sort of uh, opportunity that we have, and uh, if you really look at farms to fork uh, opportunities uh, uh-huh. in the food value chain. Uh, the yeah. entire cold storage infrastructure is something which can again a benefit from cheaper electricity that's available, because sure. in, when you are when you're running cold storages, uh, you can. Uh, dip the temperatures to a certain level and you can pre-cool the entire system to make sure that uh, you're running it on cheaper electrons and then you can start consuming less and less when you have high cost of the electricity. So I think this entire paradigm shift is very interesting in India and that is actually going to offer a lot of opportunities for the grid management, how we are managing the transmission infrastructure and most importantly, how we can benefit from digitization of the generation side as well as the load side of the equation in the electricity market.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, You're right there. Like I am as well looking for this kind of uh, things in the future. But one of my major concern comes here is with the lines of how open is market towards startups because, This is all directly trading, giving solutions which are not existent in the market because most of our uh, governing bodies are either at state level or central level in the electricity markets. So how do you think that kind of formulation is happening in the ecosystem as well so that more and more we can bring in peer-to-peer trading, your uh, low electricity storage and things like that?
0: Absolutely. So there is uh, immense knowledge that exists in uh, large public sector undertakings, as well as large private sector companies. And these are uh, world's who that we have in India as far as the digitization is concerned. But there is immense knowledge also available in the uh, innovators who uh, take that big leap and who uh, launch their startups and who have lot of great ideas to benefit uh, to bring benefits to the electricity markets and uh, one needs to nurture that. So I have a few sort of thoughts on how do we really get the startup community innovate and how do we encourage them to bring their solutions to the market and let's take simple examples such as uh, applications of machine learning and artificial intelligence. Yeah, If you have sort of digital meters, you are getting a lot of data. And if you have a lot of data, you can literally do better forecasting of the load, you can do better forecasting of the solar and wind generation, uh, and yeah. then you can clearly sort of make sure that the overall cost to the economy goes down if you are able to manage data perfectly well. There are several examples of such startups being uh, sort of prominent in India But we need to learn a little bit from the European continent uh, and the North American continent, wherein, and also Australia and Japan, and to a certain extent even Singapore, wherein the governments there encouraged the startup community to come up with specific proof of concepts. They came up with certain grants, which they offered to the startups to prove the points that they were making as far as the great management is concerned. And they also allowed some of that to be absorbed in the mainstream mainstream electricity management issues i would like to give a very interesting example from singapore where in the water sector uh, they developed specific s- sets of solutions uh, that came from the startup community and uh, if those proof of concept projects were successful uh, the water utility started giving them actual purchase orders uh, to mainstream their solutions into the market. And I really would like to see something similar happening in India as well, wherein the distribution companies, such as, say, joint venture companies in Delhi and other places, as well as public sector uh, distribution companies in several states that we uh, have in India, should start encouraging the startup communities to develop certain solutions. And they should make sure that, These innovations are brought into the mainstream electricity management with a clear objective of bringing economic value uh, to the electricity market in India to reduce the costs and to also uh, deepen the decarbonization efforts that we have ongoing in the country. So we need to develop this kind of ecosystem. We also need to have some private equity players and the venture capital companies to back all of this sort of effort up. I would like to cite one simple example that uh, I was a part of. Um, uh, As a part of my activities with the regulatory assistance project uh, in the year 2020, we launched a business competition uh, for budding startups and innovators. Uh, It was termed as Electron Wipe, and uh, uh, we had New Energy Nexus, another uh, sort of startup incubator, uh, uh, as a partner when we sort of launched that, and there were very interesting ten entries that we received, uh, which were readily uh, available for the distribution companies to absorb in their mainstream electricity market, and that was quite a uh, quite a good success. I think we need to take that so take such effort to the next level, and make sure that the startups also get the required equity funding, uh, debt, uh, and so on, so that they can yeah. develop their products in such a way that they can compete in the marketplace. In India, uh, there are several large multinational companies that are providing solutions to the electricity market, which include, say, for example, Schneider, ABB, Siemens, and so on. I think I would like to see certain bids from the government machinery, uh, which require some of these large companies to also tie up and uh, collaborate with innovators uh, that are basically smaller companies. So those kinds of hybrid solutions being brought by an established uh, network management company and yeah. uh, some innovators from the startup community, it will be sort of really, really uh, good uh, support that we can provide to the entire innovation space in the electricity market in India. Nit?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's correct. And I do believe that it's important that that kind of uh, facilitation starts happening so that, uh, Uh, These novel concepts of uh, grid interactive buildings and uh, energy storage in itself is then goes beyond what we can imagine. Uh, I feel that. And in that, do you know any uh, discounts which have specifically taken up uh, startups and uh, scale or at least had a POC or something on ground?
0: Yeah, there are quite a few. uh, And there are uh, mo- these are mostly from the private sector. So, okay. BSS Rajdhani and BSS Simona in Delhi, as yeah. well as uh, uh, CSC from Kolkata, uh, have okay. done uh, some very interesting uh, uh, proof of concept projects, uh, inviting other startups. And these are in the area of uh, either road forecasting or uh, coming up with specific storage solutions or yeah. uh, uh, managing something called as demand response initiative, wherein the uh, demand can uh, respond to the generation availability and the uh, cost of electrons that are available at that point in time in the marketplace. So these are some of these examples uh, from the private sector involvement uh, and uh, the likes of Kerala government-run electricity utility, uh, as well as bescom um, even MACDC to a very uh, to a small extent, Uh, They have been a part of something called as smart grid projects. And they have uh, uh, invited some of these startups to come up with different types of solutions. And they gave them the opportunity to uh, prove their concepts. So it is uh, emerging, but I definitely would like to see more and more and more of some of these proof of uh, concept projects uh, to be supported by the Indian electricity uh, distribution companies.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. Like I, I have also seen quite a lot of startups in uh, rural microgrids. Uh, so because they are not directly connected to the grid, so they can sustain themselves. But uh, I hope that more and more startups can come into this ecosystem as well, where uh, nationwide grid scale projects can also be taken up by them eventually. So one of the final questions that we generally ask everyone is on the skill sets and we have talked about interesting technologies uh, that can come into picture over here Uh, so if you can give our audience which is majorly youth understand them in a better context what kind of skill sets would they need for future if they want to pursue this field so I guess that would be helpful for them
0: sure Um... Yeah, uh, I think that's a very interesting question. And my answer is going to be a little bit uh, different than what some of the uh, budding entrepreneurs and fresh graduates would have heard. I strongly yeah. believe that uh, we need to have two types of skill sets available uh, in the electricity market in India. One is the fundamental electricity uh, distribution and understanding how this entire uh, technicality of sending electrons from one place to the other are concerned. Okay, so we cannot really lose out on that. So how much ever digitization that we can bring to the table, the fundamental of the electricity consumption need to be understood very well. And uh, this is very similar to uh, we can have all sorts of infrastructure projects coming in India, um, building roads, highways, uh, large complexes and so on. So you need civil engineers, similar to that. I truly feel that you need good engineers uh, capable of managing the electricity grid. That's the first part. The second part is uh, uh, in terms of the skilling is entire digitization and how do we sort of bring in opportunities to use the skill sets related to uh, skill sets related to uh, software development uh, and uh, using different types of uh, hardware requirements uh, and then uh, all of that. should sort of give them opportunities to even get data sciences, right? So application of data sciences uh, in the electricity market is absolutely a great opportunity before us. So so that's the sort of second part of it. And the third part is basically uh, different types of innovators bringing in new business models into the electricity market is also important, right? So you may have a particular smaller aggregator, which is working on a feeder to promote uh, investments in energy efficiency, renewable energy, uh, uh, rooftop uh, solar, uh, thermal energy storage, uh, and battery energy storage. So one can start making investments on the customer side of the meter on behalf of the distribution companies. And then uh, so that kind of a business modeling expertise is also absolutely essential. To sum up, I think I'm recommending... Three skill sets that are important for the electricity market. First, one is the fundamental uh, engineering skill set. The second one is uh, maximizing the benefits of digitization and uh, uh, disruptive technology applications uh, using AI, ML techniques, and so on. The third one is uh, coming up with new business solutions uh, which can be framed within the existing regulatory framework but that uh, uh, but the business for us that can actually even look beyond and we yep. can sort of get geared up for the future
1: okay that's that's great and uh, to find it up if i have missed out on anything and you would like to uh, tell our audience please go ahead
0: yeah i think uh, we covered uh, all sort of the relevant things uh, uh, as far as indian electricity market is concerned but i certainly would like to uh, uh, emphasize and re-emphasize on the fact that we need to understand uh, how the load is behaving and how that load can take benefit of low-cost generation that's available uh, from the renewable energy sources in the marketplace. So my sort of key, t- key takeaway as far as the uh, electricity markets in India is concerned is that uh, we cannot really look at conventional way of understanding how we are generating electricity. I think it's also important for us to start understanding how we are consuming the electricity and are there any, are there any kind of innovations that we can bring to the table uh, wherein uh, the load centers such as buildings, airports, cold storage facilities, electric vehicle charging infrastructure and uh, what I, I call as great interactive buildings can sort of start taking advantage of the generation, which means we now as a fraternity need to start focusing on the built environment and how the load centers are behaving as much as we try to understand the generation side of things. So the Indian electricity market, I really would like to start seeing some kind of a convergence uh, between the generation side and the consumption side. And I think it's important for us to understand both equally and in today's conditions i would say we need to understand the load side of things a lot more than the generation side of things
1: absolutely i i agree with you over there that uh, understanding consumption is one of the most essential things in defining how do we move forward and that needs to come up as much as we have come up with generation side as of now in india Thanks a lot, Uh, Dr. Mahesh. Uh, This was absolutely an interesting session for me because I got to learn a lot of new things about markets, which I had kind of uh, forgotten uh, as I had shifted my field to urban development now. But uh, thank you a lot for giving us your knowledge and sharing your experience with us.
0: Thanks a lot, Puneet. Thank you for inviting me to this interesting podcast. I hope the uh, listeners uh, would benefit from some of the points that I made and would be glad to get connected with any uh, interested individuals and groups and companies uh, wherever we can sort of develop some common solutions. Thanks a lot.
1: Thank you, Dr. Mahesh. I'll surely make sure that if anything comes up uh, to our side, we will send it forward. You have been listening to Understanding the Future podcast. To know more about Climate Center for Cities, check out our website www.niua.org slash c-q. The show is conceptualized, produced and edited by Puneet Gandhi, Senior Associate at CQ. You can now subscribe to our podcast on your favorite channel. which can be accessed through the credits. Also, don't forget to follow us on our social media for more updates. Do share your reviews with us and help us spread the podcast to your friends and colleagues. Do write to us if you would be interested in learning about any specific topics. Thank you and stay tuned for our next episode.